Hello everyone, it's the week of January 22nd. I'm George Brown. I'm Beth Brown. And this is the Brown Load, until we change it. <laughs> the um, We're going to talk today about uh, making a murder. Uh, we're going to wrap up the Golden Globes. We're going to talk about the Oscars real quick. Talk about some shows that come up in 2016 that we forgot to talk about a couple weeks ago. <laughs> um, uh, but before that, let's, uh, let's talk about what we watched this week. All uh, right. Beth, you got anything crazy you watched this week? Um, I did start Bloodline on Netflix. Yay, I, I finished watched the Bloodline. first episode. What did you think of the first episode? Uh, I liked it. Okay. So, I mean, I, I liked it okay. I'm, I'm trying to decide. I'm still figuring it out. That's good, because it's, um, it's 13 episodes long, and it took... I mean, I liked it, but it, uh, around f- episode four or so, I was like, all right, I'm in. Like, I'm going to just watch this whole thing. Until they cancel it, so yeah, it was recommended to me by a friend that I trust. Their TV. Me last week. <laughs> well, and another friend also. Oh, an actual friend. <laughs> the um, the setting's nice. It's in the Florida Keys, so that's kind of fun. Yeah, and um, mm-hmm. I think that especially the first couple episodes when they're trying to you know world build and try to give you the backgrounds of these characters and who's what and everything, it's it kind of could be tiresome. So if you like it at the beginning, then mm-hmm. you're definitely going to like it for the rest of the year. Okay. Because the rest of the season. I think that, um, I think that it takes a little bit of time at the beginning to kind of flesh out this plot, but then once you get into it, you do. Sure. And it's, um, it's definitely more family based than plot based. So yeah. at the beginning, I mean, so at the, when the plot starts kicking in, you're already invested in the family. So it's, um, we'll, we'll wait a couple of weeks. We'll talk about it a little bit more. Okay. Yeah. Um, once you've actually probably watched some more, but I liked it a lot. So okay. it's not, it's not like it would have been on my top 10 last year kind of thing, but uh, 15 maybe. So, okay. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to watch the rest of that. It's just one season right now. It's all in Netflix. It's just one season, but it did get a second season. Okay. So they're awesome. filming the second season like right now. Okay. I'm going to finish the first season. I read a magazine article about Florida Keys and I just talked about. Like the cast being there, and you can bump into them all over oh. the place. Like it's very easy to see. So I was like, "All right." So I thought you were gonna say it was about alligators, because that's what I think about when I think of the Florida Keys. I uh, <laughs> as soon as you cross the state line into Florida, all I think about is gators. Yes, me too. We okay. we were in South Carolina over the summer, and there's a long trail you could walk, and you could look for gators on each side. Uh-huh. And um, our five-year-old daughter, he's not good staying with us. That just stressed <laughs> my wife out to no end. Just like, no, stay with us, stay with us. Like yeah. some gators going <laughs> to jump this 10-foot gorge. Well, you never know. Um, yeah, so Bloodline was good. That's I finished up Bloodline this week. And then um, uh, Showtime started the show Billions with uh, Damian Lewis and Paul Giamatti. Yes. That, that looks like it's going to be good. I've okay. only seen like the first half of the first episode. Yeah. But I'm going to watch some more. It looks like it's going to be good. Yeah. It's the first episode. It's very piloty. Like yeah, sure. Everyone's a narrator about their own story when they're yeah. like, oh, I really want to buy this house. This would be such a big move from before I was at Billions. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, but I already, I already know I'm going to love the show. Yeah. So it's, um, Paul Giamatti looks great at it and Damian Lewis looks good and it's very damages like. Yeah, which I love the first two seasons of Damages. I only watched the first two seasons of Damages, so... I think there was a third season. With Martin Short and Lily Tomlin, actually, now that I think about it. I watch, I might have watched that whole season. I've heard that it was bad, so I didn't watch it. Maybe I will watch it. First season... <laughs> 
Um, first season was Ted Danson, right? He was the bad guy. Frogisher, and then Meryl Streep. Now, Glenn Close. Glenn Close. I said Meryl Streep. It's okay. But, but um, who is the... And then Meryl... Or Meryl Streep? No. <laughs> Glenn Close's character's little sidekick, that little guy. Yeah. Who's real creepy. Um, he's creepy and everything. He's in Billions. Th- he is? Oh, uh, well... Maybe. The guy that was killing people and damages, <laughs> yeah. like he was always kind of very quiet and calm and kind of in your face. Yeah. He's in, he's one of Damien Lewis's employees in oh, Billions. Oh, okay. So I was like, this couldn't be more damages. Right. And then the house that... But the first season of Damages was amazing. I loved that. Yeah, and the second season I liked too. Okay. So it's, um, but this seems very, this seems good yeah. with that. And, and I love Paul Giamatti. So I'll pretty much watch him in anything. And we, um, anything that's about... Like white collar crime, yeah. since I have no idea what the hell's going on. Like it's always fun to watch. If yeah, they can actually um, insider trading. I'm like, okay, it's a topic I actually understand. <laughs> so let's do that. That reminds me of The Big Short, which the movie The Big Short. Yeah, I saw this week. Okay, uh, with my husband, and it was it was kind of interesting. I didn't think it was amazing, like a lot of people have said, and I think it's nominated for an Oscar. But it was good, and one of the it talks about the the housing crisis in two thousand eight, where the mm-hmm. market crashed, and it does actually explain the subprime mortgages and the whole crisis in terms that people can understand. Okay, good. Yeah. If you didn't already know, like very much about it, this it's not like too complex. Like anyone will get it. The um the movie's based off a book that Michael Lewis wrote, okay. which I um it's called The Big Short, which I read uh a while ago, and it's because people said that was the best book to explain yeah. what happened with the housing market. Makes and sense. um I found myself taking a lot of notes, like what is this, what is right. that? And um but the I I haven't seen the movie yet, so I'm assuming the movie is done the same way as the book where it's kind of taking the people who knew it was going to happen and then they started uh, hedging against it, or uh, shorting the market, and right. then uh, doubting it, and then kind of researching it, and re- realizing how ridiculous, you know, um, uh, how easy it was to get a subprime mortgage then, how, you know, easy it was to do this, and, you know. Yeah. Um, and it, one of the things the movie does is it'll, like, introduce a term that no one knows what that means except for finance people. Sure. And then it'll be like, Okay, here's Margot Robbie in a bubble bath explaining what this term means. Okay. And then she's sitting there, like, sipping champagne, explaining it in, like, simple terms. Well, so, I don't, it's an Adam McKay movie, so I didn't expect it to be, like, pure, dry, documentary-style right. drama. It's not as funny as I thought it would be. Especially, like, Steve Carell is totally just... I don't consider him a... Yeah, I don't consider him a comedian anymore. Like, I don't feel like I'm going to go see him because he was in Foxcatcher last year. And he does... He's really good, but it's just like I'm not expecting to laugh when I see Steve Carell. So when I do... Well, when I do, I'll be pleasantly surprised, I guess. But But he did a really good job in this movie. He was really good. That got nominated for Best Picture. And Christian Bale got nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. Um, And uh, I think he's the one... You saw the movie, so I'm not sure. He's the California guy that originally figured it all out and actually came up with the idea of um, shorting the market, and then everybody kind of picked up on it after he he dumped, like, hundreds of millions of dollars. More or less. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he he, he plays, like, I think as a true person. Yeah, yeah. But who I mean, is, like, a medical doctor turned... Okay, we're talking about the same guy. It's... Hedge, or, you know, some kind of fund manager. 
It's not fiction. So it's right. like, these are actual people. It's, but, really um, interesting. it's interesting. Oh, yeah, they are. I think they're all based the, on true people. Which might be different with the movie, but I had a problem with the book of um, too many people. Like, yeah. just try, it would be nice if he fictionalized it a little bitty bit to just, like, make these three characters one character and um, consolidate, but then just explain the story. Sure. But I'm reading a nonfiction book. Michael Lewis also wrote Moneyball, which is a very math-based baseball book. Sure. And um, when they made that in a movie, I was like, that's going to be so stupid. And then it really was good. They did a good yeah, job with it. Yeah, that was a great movie. <clears throat> and um, uh, he wrote uh, Blindside, which everybody loves. Oh, interesting. Michael story. Okay. So. Those are all good movies. So Yeah. No, he, uh, he does a lot of the stock stuff, um, you know, the business books and everything, but those are the two, so... He's three for three on movies, then, because people That's like this true. one. Um, I We didn't talk about our top movies last year, because, uh-huh. as you said, you didn't watch <laughs> movies. But um, the I, I'm kind of glad we didn't, because I knew, looking at the trailers and reading the book The Revenant, I knew that it would be one of my favorites. But it wasn't out right. in Dallas-Fort Worth until after we did that podcast. Um, I saw it, and it was great, and it, I loved it. And yeah. Nice. Um, it see- looks like a dude movie to me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, having only seen like the trailer and like maybe seen an interview. Did you see Birdman last year with Michael Keaton? Yes, I love that movie. Um, same director for both movies. And you know how it looks like it's all one shot, the whole movie. Right. Um, this was that on steroids. Like they now he's going to show this fight scene with these Indians killing these mountaineers. <laughs> and he's going to start up here at the top of the trees, and it's going to slowly pan down. And it's like 45 people have to play their role perfectly in this six-minute scene. And right. it's, um, so you kind of just, you're just in awe of it. Like, it's amazing how well it works. But it seems like it's kind of violent and desperate and sad. and it's, I don't know. It's definitely a violent story. <laughs> so and I don't know if it's for me. <laughs> Yeah, it's... But I do like Leonardo DiCaprio, as everyone does. I don't think you can sit through (laughs) this movie because you like Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay, that's kind of what I was afraid of. What you're saying about The Revenant is accurate. It's very gory. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not spoiling anything, but he gets attacked by a bear and just basically ripped in half and, like, (laughs) left for dead, and then he has to fight back by himself. Well, wait, does he wear the bear as a coat? (laughs) (laughs) He wears a lot of fur as a coat. Um, is it wait? Is it animals that he killed himself? He wears as a coat. Or basically, just... they're trappers, is what they're doing, oh, like okay. as a job. So they're way is out. It like a modern day thing, or is it based? No, it's not even. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about this movie. Uh, okay, well then we can talk. <laughs> Let's take a step back. <laughs> but but you would, basically you'd recommend it. Yes, but <laughs> I'm saying in real life there was a guy named Hugh Glass, and what happened was he was um he was a. Uh, not to be confused with George Glass. No. Jan Brady's fake Unlike friend. George Glass, Hugh Glass <laughs> is real. And um, he was uh, with a trapping company um, out in the Montana area um, where there's Indians and everything else. It's mid-1800s. And okay. he gets mauled by a bear. Hard. Okay. Like, you know, just basically dead, but he's still kind of breathing. Yeah. And um, so the company ends up sticking around, just let him die peacefully, but they're in this area where there's Indians. And... The captain says, hey, we got to leave him here. Like, we got to start. We got to get all this stuff out of here. He wanted a couple of volunteers to stay behind with him. And so a couple did. And um, in the and then he was left for dead by those two. And then he, like, put in a shallow grave. And he pulls himself out of a shallow grave. Spends, oh, my like, God. 
in the book, he spends like, I mean, six weeks crawling oh down gosh. this mountain and eating whatever he can grab, like plants and stuff, and just over this excruciating long time because he's so pissed that these two guys left him for dead and they took his rifle and his pouch. And he was so mad about that that he spent the rest of, not the rest of his life, but uh, a year just hunting these guys down to kill him. Oh, In the okay. movie, they <laughs> went ahead and added a, um, a half Native American, half Leonardo DiCaprio son that he has oh. that ends up getting killed because oh. he's one of the ones waiting behind. So it definitely makes a more a true story behind a why would you have a revenant like this revenge right i mean if they kill thing. your kid they kill your kid it's a little yeah. different than if they did the rifle but um he didn't flinch when it came to bear gashes and uh, all the other stuff that happens to him after that in the movie um but the way is all done in one shot and you can't tell okay like how do they get blood in that like how did they do that and how do they right um cuz he could was he wearing a blood pouch like because they never the way the director is, they never pan from one, you know, go right. to one place real quick and come right back. It's always just a slow movement. Okay. And you have the whole thing on camera. It doesn't make sense. Okay. Well, I can see how that's kind of cool. But there is I a did, lot of I really did so. love Birdman. Yeah. No. And this not is. A, that was a completely different <clears throat> story, though. You make a movie like Birdman and you kind of allow yourself to up the ante, so to speak. Like, mm-hmm. I think every director wants to up the ante no matter what. They sure. want to make something bigger. And um, I think that Birdman, how successful it was, it allowed him to take the Revenant and say, say this is what we're going to do, which yeah. he couldn't have done three years ago, you know, pre-Birdman. And it was a definite success. I think he'll win the Oscar for Best Picture, or Best Director, which would okay. be two years in a row. So, but, yeah. I mean, it just, okay. it seemed obvious to me. So, um, yeah, that was that's the one movie I saw. And then, just real quick, uh, I have a nine-year-old son, and... Um, he saw his first Saturday Night Live sketch this week. <laughs> Wait, did you watch Saturday Night Live this week? I did. With Adam Driver? I did. Um, I, man, the bar is so low for me on Saturday Night Live now that like, I'm like <laughs> impressed. I'm like, oh yeah, the show could be funny here or there. But the um, uh, this undercover boss where he's being Kylo Ren. <laughs> yeah. Wars, that, was good. Um, that was pretty funny. Which he thought was hilarious. And he was like, hey, let's watch some more. I was like, yeah, I gotta kind of pre-watch everything else. But... Yeah. Um, there was actually some pretty inappropriate for children's sketches. This there week. always is, I guess. <laughs> right, right. But the, um, uh, I feel like they, they're starting to rely too heavily on their digital short style content. Well, those, those are, they're good. So. No, they, yeah. for the most part they are. But also right now, I'm just excited to watch for the political sketches. Yeah. Because the... The whole race this year is insane with Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders. It's like, it's so many crazy characters and I love it when they do the Republican debates and they have uh, Donald Trump saying, Jabra, Jabra, because when I was watching the Republican debate last week, that's all I could think of when Donald Trump was talking to Jeb Bush. The, um, and obviously when Larry David comes and does Bernie Sanders, that's great. But um, they're relying Amazing. on outside help for these people. Like, they don't have a cast member that can do Donald Trump. Bear well, in mind, they have somebody that can do it perfectly right now. They have, um, yeah, they have a Donald Trump. They don't have a Bernie Sanders. They, they probably could, but Larry David is so perfect. No, I agree completely. But it's, yeah. um, and then um, fake Ben Carson 
makes me laugh every single time. Oh my gosh, yes, with that his, was hilarious. With his flimsy little fingers because when he's talking. Because it's really like that. And it, actually, in the real debate this week... You look for it. Ben Carson said something like, I was over here asleep, and I'd been waiting to talk or something, and it was like... Because that's what they always joke on Saturday Night Live, that he right. looks like he's sleeping. I always wait for him to say something like, <laughs> that just boils my blood. I am so outraged. And <laughs> he holds his hands in front of him. It's ridiculous. It's really and, uh, funny. So, yeah, uh, I'm not really carrying the banner anymore for canceling Saturday Night Live like I was maybe six months ago. Okay, good. But, uh, so. <laughs> because I love it, Saturday Night Live. Okay, that's good. <laughs> so, Beth, last week we talked about uh, shows that were coming out in 2016 we were excited for. Yes. And then we were both ashamed of ourselves because we forgot about baskets. Um, <laughs> that, comes out. Um, that starting this week. Right. So we'll probably talk about it more next week. We'll watch. Yeah, we'll first watch couple it. Episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, Netflix made some announcements. First of all, Netflix did say a few weeks ago they're going to kind of think it was seventeen new shows, new seventeen seasons of shows are coming out with this year. Right. And, Netflix original. Yeah. Shows. And they also. Um, Not only did they announce, like, a schedule for that this year coming up, uh, they also, uh, the superhero stuff, Daredevil Season 2 comes out here in a few weeks. There's going to be a character in there named The Punisher, who's a comic book character, and then they've already said, they already like it so much, even though they haven't brought it out, that he's getting his own show that they're going to start filming. And then um, uh, Jessica Jones is going to have a second season, which I think a lot of people thought that was going to happen anyway. Yeah. But um, the... Netflix um, has, uh, so they announced a schedule, and um, it's going to be, what do you have? you want to go in order? Sure. The, the, first show, the first show that's coming out is Love, which is a Judd Apatow okay. show. It's called Love. Right. It, um, and it's premiering February 19th, which I assume they will just give us all the episodes on February 19th. Netflix always does. Because that's what so, Netflix yeah. does. Um, but yeah, it looks like a... 30-minute show, Judd Apatow produced it, and it looks like it could be good. I saw the trailer. It has the girl, it has Britta from Community, Mm -hmm. uh, Jillian Jacobs, and the guy who plays her love interest, I don't know his name. He would be, I don't know his name either, but he would be, um, uh, he was in Silicon Valley. Oh, okay. He was the friend that defaulted and went back over to Ubi. So it's um, the. Uh, I knew he looked familiar. Yeah, no, I don't know is that the actual actor's name, but that the, looks like it could be a good show. Yeah, it's it's Netflix, so it's going to it's definitely going to get my interest anyway. Yeah, they I've noticed because I was trying to go through all the new seasons that they renewed, and every single show that's on there, I was like, oh, I can see why people like that show. Like, there's not any bad right. television. Right. So um, that'll be fun to see the. Um, and then Fuller House. The yeah. Full House reboot is coming out February 26th. On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you for the Full House reboot? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I'll definitely watch it. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm going to love it. But I will watch it for sure. I'll check it out. The um, We have a son who's, uh, who really, really, really likes uh, Full House. Full House. So it's, that's going to be stopped on television for him. That'll be exciting. The... Um, and then House of Cards. Season four, House of Cards. Do you watch House of Cards? Uh, no, I don't. Do you? You don't watch House of Cards, like, at all? I've seen the first season. And you didn't like it? Um, I didn't love it. I don't know. 
I don't, I don't know what to say about that. That's. I don't really love Kevin Spacey. Yikes. <laughs> you say you love Paul Giamatti, but you don't like Kevin Spacey. <laughs> it's not that I don't like him. I, I don't love him. Right. Well, I already have in my notes that you missed Chelsea Does, which comes out this oh, week. Oh, Chelsea. Yeah, that comes out like tomorrow, I think. Sometime this week. Yeah. Yeah, that's not on my list I'm looking at here, but yeah. I'll definitely be watching that. I think she's doing, I think Chelsea Does, which is Chelsea Handler. Mm-hmm. It's like a I think it's like a four episode. Yeah. It's just a short thing, but it's like one of them's like Chelsea does racism and then just kind of Chelsea does drugs. Yeah. So it's so just, she's just, I don't know what it exactly is going to be like. We'll see. It'll, I think it'll be Chelsea Handler doing Chelsea yeah. Handler stuff. Yeah. So. And then she's coming out with a, a Netflix talk show later. Yes. But not yet. Yeah. So this, this is like a documentary series. Sometimes it feels like Netflix just kind of, doesn't know what they're doing. Right. Like, you'll find out, oh, we don't know. When, when should we? Daredevil will be out sometime next year. Oh, Tuesday. We'll just put it out Tuesday. Like it's, they <laughs> kinda... Chelsea made this deal with Netflix like a year and a half ago. Because mm-hmm. I remember, no, it wasn't, I, I don't know, it was long, whenever she canceled her show. Yeah. She she announced her deal with Netflix. Um, a thing that we've never talked about with Netflix that I somebody brought up with me earlier this week, um, is that once they get a deal made with somebody like Chelsea Handler, yeah. there's a, it's definitely going to be put on, even if it's not good, which it, it will be, I'm not worried about that, but it's, um, Netflix doesn't have to worry about, um, finding a time slot for anything. Right. They can just make all they're paying for is the show itself. Which it'll be interesting to see what comes out of, uh, John Stewart's deal with HBO. HBO. Yeah. Because it's supposed to be digital content as well. Yeah, and I think it's going to so, be the same kind yeah. of thing. It, which makes sense. If you're like a Chelsea Handler or a John Stewart and you've been putting on a nightly show for years, right. you just want flexibility. Well, and So H- I could see that. HBO has always had kind of the advantage of um, making a show and then putting it on usually a Sunday night, but they could move it around and stuff because the, they have so much kind of quote-unquote filler of just right. movies on their schedule. Whereas uh, network television is obviously the polar opposite of that. Where it's like, it's not just the money it costs to make the show or the money it costs to promote the show. It's now we're also Tuesdays at 8 o'clock is dedicated to this. Right. And is it um, justifying that 8 o'clock spot? Yeah. Because something else could be in its place. So it's so easy to pull the plug on a network show. And then, but Netflix is... Just extreme opposite, where it's just like Netflix doesn't even have to. Netflix doesn't even think about time right. slots. They don't even think about how long a show is. They um, making a murderer. It's uh, which we're going to talk about in the next. Segment. Yeah, one's yeah. forty seven minutes, and one's an hour twenty six. Like it's yeah. they don't care, and so um, it's nice. Yeah, it is. Uh, so I just want to bring up Chelsea because you didn't. Yes. Well, and I'll be watching that. We'll see. I'm clearly the Chelsea fan on this group. <laughs> the. Um, and then, okay, March 11th, we have Flaked, which is the Will Arnett show. Yes, and that'll be good. Yeah. I don't know. I'll watch it every one so. I will, too. I don't know if I'm going to like it, though. Uh, it I be, probably will. I don't see how it could be his best Netflix show, so BoJack Horseman's always going to be ahead of that, but um, we'll see. <laughs> and then we have uh, Daredevil coming out in the middle of March. That'll be great. And then April 1st, a show called The Ranch. With Ashton Kutcher. Okay. So I couldn't find a trailer for that show, and I, I don't know. It's, I think it's uh, him eating dressing. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
It's a live action show about teen musicians struggling to navigate the music industry. Pass. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. And then um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt yep, season, season two, two is uh, April 15th. I'm super excited about that. I love that show. It's nice to be in a world where a show like that can just keep going. Yes. I agree. It's a great show. I say that like NBC canceled 30 Rock after four right, episodes. Right. Like that's just not what happened. But Sure. Then we have uh, on what May, comes on May 5th. Though? May 5th, Marseille, which is, I don't know. It's, it's, I guess it's a French drama. It looks like some sort of political yes. thing. Yeah. Set in Marseille, France, and it's Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> Which obviously all I think about is him peeing on an airplane. So Which is funny because all I think about <laughs> is Anderson Cooper laughing at him <laughs> peeing on a plane. Okay. If you're listening to this and you have not seen the clip of Just look up Anderson, Anderson Cooper, Cooper Gerard Depardieu. Or just Anderson Cooper pee playing <laughs> Or Anderson Cooper cracks up, loses his anyways, it's that one's funny. And I don't know about that show. I'll have to give it a try. I'll we like, haven't seen anything about it. Yeah. We the only yeah. trailer that they've had is like a little teaser with the French flag of some sort kind of flying around. <laughs> well, I guess water. we have a few months before it comes out. Yeah. So maybe I'm sure something else. And then Grace and Frankie, which I don't watch that show. I mean, I don't either, but it's not for me. It's not supposed yeah. to be for me. It's the Lily Tomlin one. But that is second season comes out in May. And then... So, one, oh, go ahead. A word party. I don't know what that is. Ooh, that's not even on my list. I have Orange is the New Black, uh, June 17th, season four. Oh, this is a kid's show. No. Um, about baby animals. Well, <laughs> I'm sure I can give you a review of that. So, maybe your daughter can watch that and tell us about it. Um... Oh, July 15th, Stranger Things, a new drama mystery about supernatural occurrences that come to light when a young boy vanishes. This could be good. It could be something. Um. Then in August, uh, Baz Luhrmann has Mm a 1970s musical drama. About, it's called Vinyl on HBO. (laughs) No, it's called The Get Down. Oh, okay. I'm definitely going to watch this. I, I'll watch it. I might like that. Because, I, yeah. Anyways, I like Bad Lerman stuff. Well, and then shows that are not, um, don't have an actual date that are in 2016 is season two of Bloodline, uh, season three of Bojack Horseman. Uh, we already talked about The Punisher and Jessica Jones. And then there was, they extended another season. Oh, like Marco Polo. One of these shows okay. I didn't watch. But, um, and they're still cranking out stuff. Like Netflix yeah. is just... They've turned on the factory line, and they're not going to stop. Yeah, they're, so, they're, they're, they're they don't have a reason to. Okay, Beth. So we've waited a few weeks, and it's taken some time, but now we finally get to talk about making a murderer. Making a murderer. Ah, <laughs> making a murderer. I was going to say making of a murderer, but um, it's a documentary on Netflix. Right. I believe it's a ten part series. Yes. Uh. Oh, and by the way, obviously, if you haven't seen Making a Murder, go watch it now and then come back later because we're going to talk about everything that happens. I agree. We're, this is probably going to be like a ton of spoilers for the show. Yeah. So go ahead and watch it. But I would recommend watching it to anyone. 
Yes, absolutely anyone. Don't know anything about it. Just go in and watch right. it and then come back. I agree. Um, now that they've done that, we, um, <laughs> we've hit a, I don't know, true crime's always been a thing. Like sure, true crime novels and uh, court TV and all those other things. And then somehow this year, and then maybe it's the serial podcast, um, I guess that was last year, but, uh, and the Jinx, uh, the HBO one about uh, Durst. Right. Yeah. Um, and then there's this, which I would say is just as good as the Jinx. I think yes. both of us put on our top 10 last year. Yeah. Um, so it starts with Stephen Avery, who right. was um, uh, tried and convicted of a rape uh, late 70s. Yeah, early 80s. And, uh, which he always said he was innocent. He didn't do it. Never looked like he did it. But um, then he got uh, exonerated. He got basically kicked out of prison from DNA evidence. Right. Which is something that happens. I mean, people get wrong, wrongfully convicted, especially before the days of DNA, and then they get exonerated. Right. This is just something that happens sometimes. It's And this is all episode one. Yeah. They were going to make a film documentary. They went down... Uh, what actually? Okay, I saw the filmmakers on uh, the Daily Show the other night. Yes, and they said that they just like on the cover of the New York Times, it said it had this story of Stephen Avery being um, accused of murder after he had spent eighteen years in prison, right, for a wrongful conviction on a rape. Well, now you're just way ahead of us because we haven't got to the murder yet. <laughs> Anyways, but that's what prompted them to go to Wisconsin okay. and interview this family. Well, the first episode doesn't even talk about a murder. It just talks about uh, the rape, a uh, little bit of the rape trial, then his prison, and then when he gets exonerated, he gets out. Um, he's suing everybody that's responsible for the rape, trying to... Um, those are going on at the very end of the first episode. Which is something that happens often. Like, when people spend a large amount of time in prison 18 for, years, yeah. for a crime they didn't do, they often sue whoever they, you know, the municipality or the sheriff's office, I guess in this case, to recoup their loss. I right. mean... No, I'm not right. disagreeing so it with it. I'm and just it, saying... But you, people who are wrongfully convicted often get a settlement or a judgment. I walked into this show blind. I didn't know right. anything about Steve Avery or anything about the case, right. which would end up being cases. Um, you knew a little bit about it. Uh, I didn't know that I did, but I did know okay. about his nephew's trial because I read it in school. Okay. I read that case in school. I did not know that was part of this case until I was seeing the details and I was like, oh, I think this is the case we read in school and I'm going to go insane. And you were so excited? Well, I wasn't excited. I was just... Because, uh, I mean, that his nephew's case involves possibly a false confession. I would say a false confession. Getting ahead of ourselves again. Okay. Let's, let's just wait. <laughs> we'll, go, okay. we'll go through it chronologically. So um, then, the very end of the first episode, um, they start talking about, you know, they play a little uh, police blotter thing about um, a missing girl. Right. Um, and they say, well, do you have Steve Avery? In custody. in custody. They already hate Steve Avery because he's right. suing everybody because of this wrongful rape thing that happened before. And so then you're hooked at the end of the first first right. episode. Because um, basically the sheriff's office was being sued for millions of dollars. Yep. Uh, and Stephen Avery had a pretty good case. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's accused of murder. Yeah. and then By every, the same sheriff's office. And then everybody kind of soured on him. So you wonder what's happening here. So much in there. It's um, there's so many uh, characters in there. 
Um, what ends up happening is um, we see uh, Teresa's missing, and then they find her car. That's the, the, the girl who's missing. Yes. Who, sorry. Yeah. The uh, They find her car. Some people find her car. Mysterious circumstances about everything. Someone finds her car. Yeah. Someone finds her car. That's true. The um, But it does, it spends the next nine episodes of the show not just talking about uh, Steve Avery being uh, tried for uh, her murder, right. but um, the grueling uh, amount of work they spent uh, tossing his property just trying to find anything about her. Well, because we should say his family, the Avery family, mm-hmm. owns a junkyard. Yes. So it's this huge, you know... Complex. 40 acres, I don't know how many acres, of just, like, junk vehicles and I mean that's what they do so they have this huge junkyard and that's the crime scene essentially it's basically 5,000 junked cars and like eight trailers right so that's what right in several family you know branches of this same Avery family live there in Mm -hmm. different houses or trailers or whatever they live in and so the police is their job or the investigator's job is to look through this junkyard. I mean, that's a huge undertaking. They stop down and they spend days and days and days looking. And then, um, we, I don't want to sit there and just break down every single detail about the show, but, um, kind of a very long story short, they got nothing. And then a few months later, they start squeezing, uh, Steve Avery's nephew, uh, Brennan Dassett, um, who, Dassey, excuse me, who is, um, he's, uh, well, I think they said 70 IQ, 72, somewhere in there. Uh, just he's intellectually challenged. Intellectually challenged is a, a good word for it. Uh, and he's also young. He's like 15 years old. I think he's 15 when they first talk to him. They pull him out of school. Pull him out of school. To they, interrogate him. And basically when they do that, they don't just have a story about how Teresa's murdered, um, a completely new way. Now she's tied to a bed and her throat was slit. And they, when you watch the tapes of the confession um, or the interview, um, right. you can see how the police are feeding this information and then just pressing him and pressing him until he verbalizes it. And uh, then they arrest him for it. And then, of course, uh, re-arrest. Was Steve Avery in jail then? I think he was awaiting trial at that time. Yeah, he was awaiting trial. But now... Maybe he wasn't. Maybe... I can't remember. But anyways, it bolsters the case against Stephen Avery. Yeah, and so now we've got two trials going. And uh, the fascinating part about this, which you definitely love more than me, or the irony of it, I guess, is that Stephen Avery had a cash settlement that he used to spend on lawyers, and he had two really good lawyers. Right. Brennan Dassey has no money because they live in a salvage yard. Right. And um, so he got a court-appointed one who was... Um, I, I, in my opinion, the worst person in the entire documentary. He was terrible. He was uh, criminally terrible. Right. Um, and I think, I was thinking about this, and I think the reason for that is that he didn't care about his client, this child. Sure. And, which is, I think, something that happens sometimes with the defense attorneys who mostly represent guilty people so they stop caring right and then he just assumes this kid is guilty and then he goes from there he doesn't do anything to try to help him which is worse than not having an attorney at all in my opinion i would go one step further 
and say he's worse than that because not only did he not care, but his only approach to helping Dassey was to get Dassey to um, confess to the crime and then flip on Steve Avery, his uncle, um, to get a lesser sentence. Right. Which uh, Dassey always goes back to, I didn't do it. Right. I'm innocent. But then when he's... He also just, he doesn't really understand what's happening. And so many parts of the whole story you can tell that brendan dowsey is this child he doesn't understand yeah what is happening he doesn't understand what he's confessing to he doesn't understand what's happening when they squeeze the initial quote-unquote confession out of him like when he's done he's like concerned about you know making it to a certain class to turn right. his homework and things like that like he he doesn't know what's going on i agree with you but the the lawyer presses him Right. Um, to like, as soon as they realize, oh, you know, this is going to be a pretty hard trial to do. He gets his public investigator to basically re-drill him about the exact same crime and have him draw pictures and write out this big confession about how it happened, so they could take it to the police and then have him flip on Steve Avery. Which is, by the way, even if Steve Avery is guilty or not, he's definitely not guilty of the Brendan Dassey narrative. Of what happened. Right. But um, we'll get to that in a second. So he spends hours squeezing, the public investigator spends all his time squeezing it out of Brennan Dassey. And then they, the next morning, he goes, they, he goes back to the police. Brennan Dassey does. His lawyer sends him to the police. His lawyer isn't even there. And they reinvestigate him again. And that's basically what happened right there is basically what, you know, bound him to right. uh, be found guilty. Right. And Brendan Bren Dassey's lawyer knew that he was being investigated and he chose not to be there. Right. Or he didn't care to be there. And He didn't just know. He set up the appointment. Right. So, and that's why I think we talked about who's the worst person in the entire <laughs> show. Because there's a lot of shady characters. A lot. And it's it's amazing to me that um, it, it might be a slanted documentary that way. but Right. Way, and, it, and it certainly has been accused of being skewed. We could talk about that briefly. In skewed. Start, I guess. But the long story short, I'm just saying uh, Steve Avery had two really, really kind of kick-ass lawyers. Right. Who really cared about the case and were skilled. And they had to fight a pretty hard uphill battle. Right. Because there's a lot of the evidence. Every single piece of evidence is very sketchy. Mm-hmm. Um, you start to wonder, oh, where, you know, how did they, why did they find this days prior or months prior? Like, why did this come up? You know, the bullet in the garage. And mm-hmm. um, so you, they find all that and they figure it out and drag it out. But Brendan Dassey's, you know, uh, being accused of the exact same crime uh, as a public defender that actively tried to make him guilty. <laughs> and then he got a different one who equally incompetent, but less criminal. Right. The, the, Brendan Dassey's second lawyer seemed like he was earnestly trying to represent him. He was not very experienced. Like I think he had said before that maybe he had done one other murder trial yeah. or he had never represented <clears throat> someone accused of murder. So he was in over his head basically. Compared to Stephen Avery's team, Right, who knew what they were doing. It was night and day. Right. He and got the two best lawyers in Wisconsin, Steve Avery did. Right. And Brendan Dassey was getting public defenders. And I think it really did show, uh, to me at least, uh, that I think the, the initial outrage everybody has about the show is how shady the sheriff's department is right. and how shady the district attorney's office is and yes. the shitty, shady things they do throughout the entire thing. Including right. 
and you you just think that this wouldn't happen in America, and then you see it happening, and you think this could happen. Yeah, and it did happen. I mean, the the thing that from the whole documentary, the things that stick out to me the most are what you're saying here is this the night and day difference between being able to hire a top notch defense attorney mm-hmm. and getting whoever you're stuck with if you're indigent and right. just getting the public defender, which are not all public defenders are terrible. And it's just in this case, the first one he had was terrible. The second one he had was not qualified. I, I think it's fair to say that all public, there's no public defender that's better than the best lawyer in that <laughs> state. Well, I mean, fair enough, but I'm, I'm not trying to, disparage every public defender because I've actually seen any public defenders except for uh, the ones that were the 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 two we're discussing in this case and then the other thing is that I think you get a really good picture of a false confession in action Mm -hmm. and just seeing that take place because I think the general public when you tell them oh this person confessed to a murder but they didn't commit it and they weren't there and it, they actually had nothing to do with it. You're like, um, why would anyone ever confess to something they didn't do? And you're seeing in this story, you're seeing this child who is below average intelligence um, being in, in a situation. Like, think about if you're in an argument with someone, like your spouse, you're arguing forever about it, and they're like, you're wrong about X, Y, Z, and you're tired, and you're, you're just ready to move on to the next thing. You're like, okay, fine. And you just kind of give in. Yeah, I don't and know what it's like to give in. <laughs> that might be the biggest problem we're having about it. The, um, um, but anyways, like in, in this situation, it's like a lot of times with false confessions, people are young. Mm-hmm. They've been interrogated for a long time. Yep. Or they're below average intelligence. And it's like all of these things are, are taking place here. The one saving grace in Brennan Dassey's case is that it was videotaped. Which, this is probably around the time when they started videotaping these interrogations. They say in the documentary that this is right after it started becoming mandatory. Right. Because before this, they wouldn't. And so it was even harder to identify a false confession or for for anyone to understand how it could be a false confession. Right. So, I don't know. Anyways, for me, like, I liked that it highlighted... False con- not that it really doesn't help Brendan Dassey that much because he is still sitting in prison. Yeah. Um, he does have a you see in the last episode mm-hmm. I've seen the series, all the through, yeah. that he has a competent defense team helping him now. Right. Whether or not it's too late for them to be able to do anything, we'll see. Mm-hmm. But at least there are competent people. Like I think the leading experts pretty much in the country right now are helping him. Yeah. So hopefully it'll go somewhere. But the, yeah, we, we've already fast forwarded too much, which is fine. I mean, <laughs> but basically those were my two takeaways. It's anyone like, who's seen the show doesn't need me to explain, you know, the key sitting there next to the bookshelf <laughs> or the, you know, the, the blood in the car. Um, that, that was crazy. Like she has this whole key ring of keys and then all of a sudden the one ignition key is laying in plain sight in Stephen Avery's bedroom. Like, it's so bizarre. All of it is so bizarre. There's not a single part, like a single piece of physical evidence that they have Mm -hmm. um, that you're like, oh, well, that 
yeah, then he must have done it. Because right. every single one of it is shady in its own way. But at the end of the day, like, in my heart of hearts, like, I don't know if Stephen Avery did it or not. It's... But I don't think he got a fair trial. And I do think some of the evidence was messed with. For sure. So... Well, they... they I mean... There's blood. There's a couple blood drops in a car. But there's also a vial of blood with his name on it that's already right. that's clearly been broken open and resealed. Uh, that was in evidence. That was in evidence. And they from and this county knows exactly where it is. Right. And there's clearly a, um, a puncture in the tube uh, that they could use to draw the blood out. And um, so it's like I get that. I It feels like I'm reaching to say that it feels like some sort of B-rate crime drama to talk like that. But then again, there it is. Right. And like you said about the key, it sounds stupid that you're blaming this wide conspiracy. But then again, there it is. And the bullet in the garage. And there's not, we're supposed to believe that she was tied to a bed and her throat was slit in this messy, messy trailer. And there wasn't a single drop of her DNA anywhere around. And, um, which is crazy. Who's the Mm -hmm. district attorney gets on, the news and he gives this gory detailed story of how they murdered her. He's so, but he like makes my skin crawl. That prosecutor. He, so he does that. And then, um, like that's the narrative that we're sticking with. And both people are found guilty of this narrative. That is 100% false. Like there's zero chance. What? Yeah. Whether or not Stephen Avery killed her, it didn't happen this way. No. And that's the best. And that's what they tried him on. They tried right. of tying her to bed, um, him slitting her throat, and, you know, it drives me crazy. Because I, with you, I don't know if Stephen Avery did it Right, it's hard to and know. It's, um, but I, I think when you see the documentary, like, your initial thought is that he didn't, and you're outraged, which explains the petition to President Obama. People are like, you know, and obviously that's not going to happen in... Well, here's but the I question. can see where people's outreach comes from. Why are people making a petition to get <laughs> Stephen Avery out of jail to President Obama, and then we act like Brendan Dassey is just okay? Like we're fine I with that. That's what confuses know. me because I, I don't know if Stephen Avery has something to do with her murder or not. I do know Dassey had nothing to do with it. Like right. I just know it. And but we just he's like he's the aftermath and all this. Right. And I think that maybe and then another thing they didn't talk about in the documentary is that Stephen there was accusations by Brendan Dossie that Stephen Avery actually had molested him. Maybe. At some point in his life. And that I don't know. Here's like, what there's I a lot of sketchiness. Here's what's great about But I think Brendan Dossie's a victim, basically. Here's what's great about a documentary like this. Right. Um, and actually, like, the jinx um, with Durst. Is it Robert Durst? Um, yeah. Sounds good. I think it's Robert Durst. Um, and Definitely S- Durst. <laughs> in Serial, the first season of Serial, is that it's it's nonfiction. And it's like there is a mystery there. Or like you are with uh, Maura Murray. It's, <laughs> um, it's, not a, it's not Game of Thrones where you have right. theories about what's going to happen. Yeah. And then some writer can just change everything. Right. It's real life and it's all out there. Somebody did something. Right. Um, but Kratz, the district attorney who came up with this ridiculous narrative about uh, getting her throat slit on national or on news uh, outlets and then convicted these two guys. Who gets this come up? It's in the end of the show um, because he went and harassed some uh, domestic violence woman. Uh, trying to get a bunch of uh, weird, gross sex from her. Well, yeah, and I think it was actually he was 
trying to coerce multiple victims who he was supposed to be prosecuting their crimes, but, and then he was trying to... But they had the proof of that. Ugh, he's it, so seedy. But, so immediately after the show comes out, Kratz, the real-life guy, right. um, he has a lot of practice, and Yelp, it just went down like half a star, and they end up closing it. Because hey. he lost his um, job as a prosecutor For, because he was, because of the he was whatever sexual inappropriate creep dozens of domestic violence victims. right so he, then he goes into private practice and then just like the guy who killed cecil the lion the dentist his yelp review goes way down oh no i know what you're okay. talking about oh. well then I'm saying, <laughs> yes. so yelp ends up sealing his rating or whatever because it's like they only want you to review people who actually are there and then Kratz goes crazy. And then he gets on Reddit, and then he starts ranting about how guilty Steve Avery is. And he brings up a lot of different types of proof that wasn't a documentary. He brings up how slander the documentary is. And it's um, there's sweat under the hood of her car, which there wouldn't be. Um, she didn't ever want to go back over there. She worked for Auto Trader Magazine. Right, she's a photographer. him living on a salvage yard, um, they sold a bunch of used cars through Auto sure. Trader. Um, according to Kratz, on Reddit... He would request Teresa, and then she would. She didn't want to go over there anymore. He answered the door once in a towel. Um, so he says all this. All of these things could have been true, and all of them could right. be true. That's the thing is, we don't know all this truth. Right. The only time we ever heard it was from Kratz on the internet. And I think and, it's, I think it's possible that Stephen Avery killed her. Yeah, but I'm you're not letting me finish. Okay, I'm sorry. Go what on. I'm saying is, is this the guy that's lied at every turn right. to find, make them guilty? Of course, he's going to lie to cover his own ass on the internet. And him answering the door in a towel annoys me because we already know he doesn't even own underwear. Oh my like, god! Just, it's a hick thing to do. Like, <laughs> answer the door in a towel. They brought up in the show, like in yeah. the court records, he doesn't own underwear. That's the other thing about this family, the Averys. They uh, they have a reputation in the community for kind of just being lower class. Not, I mean, they're already stigmatized. Basically. And I think that's why he was found guilty of rape. And I mean, think about you're living in this small town. It's like the family that owns the junkyard and they're, you know. When he was found guilty of the rape to begin with, it was, you know, you found family members being interviewed because he was an Avery. And right. uh, they were just going to stick with that. And then. The other thing about um, the initial wrongful conviction for the rape, another issue this documentary highlights is. The, he was convicted on eyewitness testimony. Mm-hmm. So the rape victim, who was an, an upstanding citizen, well-respected in, in that small community, she ID'd him um, as being her rapist. And I think it's one of those things you you would assume if you're raped, the, the person that you would be able to pick out the person who raped you. And I think the jury is going to say, well, she obviously, and obviously she's, a very sympathetic witness and everyone feels terrible for her as they should because she's been raped and that's horrible. She was an upstanding citizen in the community. Her and her husband owned a small business. Right. 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 Uh, she, uh, but the thing is like fall or eyewitness testimony is so unreliable unless you actually know the person you're like, that's Bob and I know him and he did this to me. If it's stranger, I if you're trying to eyewitness a stranger, it's very unreliable. Sure. And but it's also very compelling to a jury yeah. to hear that from the victim. But if you look at studies, 
it's it's unreliable. The way she was raped, uh, just the brutality of it, right. and it wasn't like uh, just you know just a jogger getting pulled out of the woods, and just it was very brutal, and very graphic. Um, you hear a victim explain that in court. You your human instinct is going to be, I want the person I did that to her to go away forever. Right. Let's and get this the person, person off the that they've made available to me to put away forever is this guy. Right. So it's like I do feel like there's already gonna be a subconscious um need in your inside of you to put this guy away. Right. Because it's you would rather an innocent person go to jail in that situation than a guilty one go free. I'm just saying it's a subconscious level. Well, no, that's true, but and and that's why it's the prosecutor's job to get the right person. It's the police's job. And the <laughs> but I'm saying, that's how you're protect, protecting the community is right. to get the actual rapist, but which they didn't. Point, in that is case. that the it's not a jury's job. That person they brought up, the jury's under this assumption right. that he's on trial for a legitimate reason. Like they found this guy for a legitimate reason. Right. So when you're um, police officers doing shady things right. like deciding this guy did it under nothing else except you hate him. Right. Um, and a DA who feels the exact same way and y'all are working together and you're willing to blur a lot of lines to get there. You can have, you know, what looks like pretty solid evidence, uh, in a trial to a jury. Right. The murder of Teresa, is it Hallbuck? Hallbuck, yeah. Um, her murder, how graphic it was explained on the news to everybody who watched the news. Right. Um, and then you find out you're picked for the jury of the, that murder. Right. Your and it's also very sad. This is a, a girl in her young 20s. She's just starting on her life. Yep. And, I mean, it's horrible for, for anyone to be murdered. But, I mean, it's a very sad story. But you're on the jury. Right. You've heard that story. You want to get um, the person, whoever you, it is. And then when that person happens to be, you're on the jury for Steve Avery, and he happens to be sitting right there, right. like, there's going to be a lot of you, like, a, a lot of you internally that wants to make sure that the person that did that to her uh, went away. Right. What really upset me about this, the murder trial as opposed to the rape trial is we don't know what happened to her. We don't know that she was found at bed and had her throat slit. Right. Like, these graphic details. We do know... For a fact that that brutal rape that what happened is what happened. It's just they got the wrong guy. Does that make sense? Right, right, right. So, In the first crime. Right. The rape, yeah. In the rape. That we, we know for a fact that that's what happened. We just happen to know that the person that did it was a different guy. Who, by the way, just went and raped a bunch of other people after Stephen Avery went to jail. That's horrible. And I think he continued to call the rape victim with obscene phone calls after Stephen Avery was in prison. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, they just, they really were not serving the community by getting the wrong person in that crime, obviously, because the rapist was still out there. And I don't know. The entire process is very, the entire documentary is a very, uh, I didn't know if they were going to be found guilty or what until, because I promised myself I wasn't going to Google anything (laughs) until it was done. And so when it ended on such a, a low note for both of them. Right. Um, it, yeah, you and I were the only two people I know. It's just like, I kind of, I don't feel like Stephen Avery's even the lead in this case. It's Brendan Dassey. Who well, his story about. is much more sympathetic to me because with Stephen Avery, whether or not he did it, which I don't know if he did, whether or not he did it, he got the best defense money could buy. Yeah. Like he, it. he had two completely qualified, competent attorneys that were really advocating for him. And I think that's what you, you should get 
you know? Yeah. Um, but Brendan Dassey, he had a really shitty attorney and he had these questionable prosecutors and sheriff's department. So, I mean, it was just... I feel like Stephen Avery got uh, put in the crosshairs when she went missing. They didn't know she was right. dead at first, and he was already on the crosshairs. And um, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but Brendan Dassey is in jail for the rest of his life because his uncle was in the crosshairs. Right. Like, um, you know, he was collateral damage mm-hmm. and all of that. And uh, it's... Oh, it's insanely sad. But what, I, what I'm trying to say is, is that now that it's over... And he didn't get a fair trial. No. And no. I don't know if either of them did, but Brendan Dassey didn't really have anyone in his corner. Like, his mom cared, but she didn't know what to do. And so he didn't... And he didn't have a fair trial. And I don't think any of them had the presumption of innocence that they should have. And they showed a lot of news footage where they... The way they present Brendan Dassey in trial is they're showing him being... Uh, you know, he's just guilty. Like, you can just... Right. You get that vibe off it, even though, like, we know that he wasn't. And um, it's... The West Memphis Three is probably a good example of the exact same thing. You paint this picture of these three... Uh, high school kids uh, trying to do satanic rituals and killing these kids, you know, bounding them up. Yeah. And then it turns out, you know, that you dig into it more and that's probably not uh, what happened. And I think we talked about this, the documentaries on HBO that came out about the West Memphis, nobody ever called them the quote unquote West Memphis three mm-hmm. until a documentary comes out and Johnny Depp and Peter Jackson and a slew of other people right. see it. And they're like, these kids didn't do it. Right. Like, um, and then that got a lot of things brewed up and it got public investigators involved and people raised money to do this and that. Um, and those guys aren't in jail anymore. The, uh, Stephen Avery and Brendan Dassey case with this Netflix documentary is kind of gone the same way. There's a right. lot of outrage out there online. There is. I know it's a lot of, you know, slacktivism where it's just like, I'm going to be outraged <laughs> on a keyboard, but I'm not right. going to do anything. But you know, it only takes one person to have their eyes open or to be able to hear that or be able to say, you know, hey, let's look into this, let's look into that. Because something that did happen is Teresa Harbuck did get killed. Right. And um, what if we found out that it was that ex-boyfriend or something else? Right. Do you know what I mean? Or like, one of Stephen Avery's relatives that was not him. Which... That also lived on that property. We could play theories all day. Yeah, that. but I'm just People saying... People are in love with... The, no, I'm not... There's, there's things I'm not being dismissive about. of the theories. I'm just saying... With a case like this, or like Maura Murray, or everything Serial's giving us, or whatever, <laughs> like you're allowed to have these theories, sure. and um, but it's like the, when you get down to it, it doesn't matter to me. I shouldn't say it doesn't matter to me. It's it's not my job to come up with who killed her right. when I know for a fact that Brendan Dassey didn't kill her. So trying to put the which they're not doing to me, nobody's saying. Well, and I mean, I feel like we have a system in, in place that's supposed to work as. The person accused is presumed innocent yeah, until proven guilty. And I think one of the things this documentary shows is that sometimes people are not getting that presumption of innocence and they're not being proved guilty yeah. beyond a reasonable doubt the way the system is set up. It's almost too textbook, like all the wrong that happened. Because right. it seems like them coming out on the news and giving this gory story to make them guilty before the trial started worked. And, um, the, every single piece of evidence looks like it could be planted. I mean, one of the cops on the stand calls in her freaking license plate of the car two days before they find it. And it's just like, we just let that go. Like, because there's so many things to be upset about. Like if the whole thing was about that one thing. 
that right. we could obsess over it. But we don't have time to obsess over that. Because <laughs> there's so we many. Have 35 other things yeah. to obsess over. I agree. And it's, um, but overall, I think, I think the documentary, it's not polished, but I think it does a really good job of telling us this story. Right. And it and brings up some issues. That, and I don't think, I don't think that most cops are corrupt. I think that these were though. And I think it's possible. It's not fair. I mean, I know it's not, when you complain about the sheriff's department for right. people to say like, not all cops are like this. I, and nobody ever said that. Right. But I'm just saying like, I I don't want it to come across as me thinking that people who investigate crimes are corrupt. I don't. I think they're usually not corrupt. I, I think, think I'm they annoyed usually... with the situation where you feel like you have to apologize to every other well, cop no, because I... of what these cops did. Well, no, but I think that, that sometimes people looking in from the outside on this documentary, they haven't seen it, and they think it's like a cop bashing thing, and I, I don't think that's what it is, and I don't think that's the message that you have to get from this. I think it's a very lazy way of looking things if you do if you do look at it that way but <laughs> okay well but i know I'm there just are people saying, that are, like if you haven't seen it and you just see like on your facebook news feed i like, just yeah whatever, no, I, I mean you don't know what's happening with it then you might not want to watch it i think that what this documentary does that should piss cops off is that in the future everybody's going to have this new conspiracy defense because look what happened to steve avery it obviously happened here when I don't think I don't think this happens anywhere else except for that county in Wisconsin. Well, and I, I but I think one thing the documentary shows us is that it can happen in America. It, well, and every single person that was um, investigating this murder um, just happens to be an older version of the exact same person that was investigating the rape. Like they were all there when the Steve Avery rape thing went down, and now right. they're all just higher up. Uh, you know, a few decades later for a murder trial. Yeah, it's exhausting. And what? <laughs> but anyways, I do I do think it's important for people to watch this, this documentary series, and I think there's a lot a lot you can get from it. Whether or not you think Stephen Avery's guilty, whether or not you think Brendan Dassey's guilty, like I'm very intrigued for the next year of two things: what's going to happen with Brendan Dassey, just right. uh, legally speaking, like through the court systems. It's kind of it'll be interesting to get updates on that. And Which then, the I mean it. it it's a very uphill battle for him. Sure. At this point. It's um it's almost a brick wall Stephen Avery's against. See, there's no hill. Like there's no slope. He can't get out. Well, unless yeah, if they unless, if he didn't do it and they figure out definitively who did. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's the internet age. Either way. There's you're gonna have some kind of um uh, Google sleuth out there figuring things out and then <laughs> so the next year you just you have to feel like more evidence of some kind is gonna come out. You, you never know. Like, somebody's going to shake something loose, I guess is what I'm saying. But you, you're right. You never know. But I feel more comfortable about that than um, – actually, I don't know. So Yeah, it's hard to say. I think we talked about this before. The most guilty person is Stephen Avery. Oh, no. Is it Durst and the Jinx is the most guilty what do you mean the most guilty? He definitely killed her. Yeah, no, he did. Okay. And he killed other people, too. And then if you were to put... <laughs> and he confessed to it, and well, there's lots of evidence. Um, so you put him on one end of the spectrum as a guilty. Right. And you put Dassey on the other end as an innocent. Right. Where do you put Steve Avery? In the middle. Right in the middle? Well, okay, I don't think Steve Avery got a fair trial, but I, I'm not saying I think he's innocent of the crime. I don't know if he did it or not. What is your He's convicted. I don't know. I mean, I that really, same court I system really tells you that am... Brennan Dassey's guilty. 
I don't know if Stephen Avery did it. I don't think it was proven that he did it beyond a reasonable doubt. So Dassey's a zero, Durst is a ten, and uh, Avery is right at I don't know. Dassey's like maybe a maybe like a two. He okay. may have been culpable. I I think he definitely definitely did not get a fair trial. He did not get fair representation. He needs a new trial. For sure. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen or if that's going to help at this point. I, but that's what he needs. Stephen Avery, I don't know. I have Dassey as a .5 <laughs> because I, yeah, and then I have Durst as a 9.5. <laughs> I'll go with that 9.5. And Durst. then I have Steve Avery around a 6 or a 7. Yeah, I he used to be a 5. Now it's like a 6 for me. I am. Um, because... I think he he might have done something. Yeah, like I just, that's why where I'm at too. I don't think it was proven, but I do think he may have. But if you think he's innocent, you're going to really be frustrated with this documentary and how the sheriff's department handled it and the DA. If you think he's guilty, you're going to be even more pissed off at because for me, where I think he kind of might have done it, right? Um, doesn't matter. We'll never find out for sure because well, the it's sheriff's kind department, of like the whole OJ Simpson thing. Whereas, like, the cops probably tam- tampered with evidence in that case. And yeah. if they hadn't, they would have had a stronger case. OJ's a great example. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, it's... Yeah. Where's OJ on my new uh, durst Dassey scale? <laughs> but it kind of, like, you know, OJ did end up in prison. I wonder if... He crap. ended up in prison for... Kevin I know, but he ended up there for something else. I wonder if, if that's kind of, like, Kratz. It's like karma gets you in the end. Or does it? Because Stephen Avery's <laughs> gone to jail twice. Oh, and Brendan Dassey. It's sad. So I, I just, I don't think that we could talk about this documentary and we could say, <laughs> well, karma. Because it just looks like right now all the shitty people are free to bitch on Reddit and all the guilty people are locked up in jail missing WrestleMania. So mm-hmm. the, um... I don't think there's anything else to really say about this. Yeah, you have to answer the... Who's more guilty, O.J. Simpson or Stephen Avery? Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, O.J. Simpson wrote a book called If I Did It. I mean, he did. We don't have to go as, uh, on a scale. <laughs> I'll just rank them from most guilty to least guilty. Durst, Simpson, Avery, Dasset. Dassey. Dassey. Yeah, that's my order, too. Where's that on, then? And the cereal? Ah! He's probably between Stephen Avery and Brenda Dassey for me. Ah, more innocent than Stephen Avery? Yes. Okay, I think that's where I have him, too. Yeah, all right. Right now, we're 100%. <laughs> Who else are we going to throw in there? More Murray's dad. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. I can't. I can't. But if I had to, I'd put him under Adnan and over. Oh, my God. We're dead. <laughs> we're ranking everything perfect. Okay. I think... Next week, I'm going to find a different one. We're going to add it onto our new chart. Okay. I think this is going off the rails. All right. Well, uh, so we're done here, right? Yep. Okay. So next week, we'll talk about, for sure, baskets. And yeah. uh, we'll figure out some other yeah. things. Sounds All right. Good.